Welcome to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman from Waco, Texas. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith from New York City. Each week we get together to talk about the readings for the upcoming Sunday. We hope to help both the sermon prepping pastor as well as everybody, since we all need to find that thread of grace, the gospel, throughout the scriptures. So dust off your Bible. Let's jump in. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Same Old Song, your preaching devotional podcast geared towards preachers who may be up at midnight wondering what the heck they're going to talk about, and those of you who are just looking for a little extra time in the Word. Uh, My name is Jacob Smith, and I am the rector of Calvary St. George's, and I am joined, as always, by my colleague and friend, Aaron Zimmerman, the rector of St. Albans in Waco, Texas. Well, Aaron, here we are. Happy holidays. Nobody's listening to this particular episode, but uh, we thought we'd give it a shot anyway. That's right. Who goes to church after Christmas? <laughs> We're done. I, by the way, when you talked about what people who listen to this who want extra time in the Word, I couldn't help be reminded of my sister's friend in college who named his bed the Word. Ooh, that's good. I uh, I call it the Church of the Heavenly Rest. <laughs> yes. So where also Reverend that. Sheets and Pastor Pillows presides. <laughs> first Mattress Church. But uh, here we are, and we are on the first Sunday after Christmas, and uh, we are in the middle of the holiday season, and yes, as Christians, you can say holiday season, because the 12 days of Christmas were right smack in the middle of it. And uh, the 12 days of Christmas were historically filled with all sorts of feast days, the Feast of St. Stephen, uh, the Feast of St. John, the Feast of the Holy Innocents, and uh, the Feast of the Holy Name. All of this leading up to Epiphany, which is January 6th, the 12th night. And uh, um, and so with all of these days in there, they called it Happy Holy Days, and uh, that has just kind of spun out into holidays. So um, go get yourself a Starbucks and enjoy the season. And uh, that brings us right into the Old Testament and uh, our passages from Isaiah. Aaron, do you have any thoughts on this one? Uh, no, no, Jacob. <laughs> I don't. By the Good. way, cuz I'm feeling know? the holiday blues and I don't have a clue. I'm so thinking, uh, it's it's have you ever watched the Jerry Gibb talk show or the Barry Gibb talk show? I'm sorry, on SNL Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon and they're the, you know, the BGs hosting a talk show. Yeah. And anyways, uh, Robin Gibb never has anything to or Barry Gibb. No, Robin just no. No, I don't. I don't have anything to say. No, I do. Uh, I have I oh, Jake, do I? have things yeah. to say. I'm um, glad you asked. <laughs> I mean, this has a lot to do here with the Christian theme of imputation. I mean, you get here the basis for this idea that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Um, right here from the very beginning, uh, we rejoice in God because he has clothed me with garments of salvation, covered me with the robe of righteousness. I think one of the things that you'll continue to see Uh, Jake, I bet you see this even in New York, uh, the godless place that that is. Uh, But I certainly see it down here with a lot of folks who grew up in church and in law-heavy churches, even ones that technically had quote-unquote orthodox doctrine. There's definitely this feeling always lingering with people that they have to do something to make God pleased with them. You know, I uh, was meeting with a guy today who's who, who's kind of new to the faith and wants to yeah. prepare for baptism. And his default understanding is that good people go to heaven. 
Um, yeah. And mm. uh, um, and certainly good people do go to heaven, as do bad people. I mean, and, and anybody who goes there, it's because they're covered with the righteousness that's been given to them, not their own. Um, mm. and, and that's the idea here, which is such a such a gift. Um, yeah. I also love the idea that uh, this, the, the, the language here, he also speaks, so not only of God clothing the church in garments of salvation and in robes of righteousness, but, but where uh, this church will appear. And it says, for as the earth brings forth shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown to spring it up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. And so that this idea that uh, God's people and his worship shall go forth uh, throughout all the world. And, uh, and this is not just for uh, God's sake, but this is for Zion's sake. Um, and uh, that this vindication will shine forth, that God uh, will uh, fulfill his promises in Israel, which reaches its culmination in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, totally. And I think there's a beautiful picture here as well of how God sees us. Uh, you mm. shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. I mean, I think most people don't go through life feeling like God's favorite grandchild. You know, mm. the, you know, the, the, think of that grandmother who can't wait to show you pictures of her grandkids or whatever. And I think most of us feel like God's, I don't know, like redheaded wrong, stepchildren. Re, I wouldn't want, I didn't want to offend our redheaded listeners uh, or any <laughs> stepchildren either, but, but, uh, you did it, not me, Jake. Um, so yeah, exactly. We, we feel like maybe God led us on the team because he had to, but didn't really yeah. like us. But, and, and you remember, this is, uh, Isaiah talking to people who are <clears throat> terrible, idolatrous, backsliding, traitorous people. I mean, this is not, a message mm. to the good. This is what God has done. This is, I mean, this is near the end of Isaiah, and uh, Isaiah is looking forward to what's going to happen in the future. And he says, even for basically, even for these people, yeah, uh, God is going to clothe us with garments of salvation, and he and he's going to hold us like a crown of beauty in His hand, a yeah. royal diadem, a jewel. Uh, it's just yeah. beautiful language. The righteousness of Christ that's given to us. And by the way, don't feel nervous, folks, about using allegorical interpretations of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the church fathers who knew way more of the Bible than you or I will ever know, and uh, were you know, closer to the time of the apostles, I mean, that's how they saw this stuff. And mm-hmm. Jesus himself says that all the scriptures, the law and the prophets are all about him. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, what Jesus says in Luke 24 and what the example the church fathers give us, um, we can happily say that this passage is about, uh, about Christ, by the way. I think I think your point is so powerful, and it's a wonderful blend, uh, wonderful bridge right into our epistle reading from Galatians, chapter three uh, uh, and four, four through seven. Uh, this idea of God actually beholding you as the beloved, you know, as something so amazing, like to to, to grasp that concept, and especially when so much of my life is kind of like is total crap. You begin to understand what Paul is talking about here when he articulates the definition of faith. Mm. So much of faith, I think, in American culture, and this is what Paul is getting at, um, uh, is is so much of uh, uh, faith in America culture is kind of like the kind of an acceptable form of superstition, sort of I can leave my brain at the door. And what uh, that is not the biblical definition of faith that Paul is getting at here at Galatians. 
uh, what Paul is getting at here in Galatians is the um, the uh, gift that God gives you to believe Him, despite mm. all evidence oftentimes in your life to the contrary, you know. And so to believe that you are a beloved child, um, uh, despite the fact that you know um, other people may think you're a terrible person, to uh, believe actually with with that that death is behind you as opposed to ahead of you, and you can live your life freely. Um, I, uh, I saw this uh, new uh, uh, Amazon Prime show called The Romanoffs. My wife and I are walking through it, and it is amazing. And the second uh, episode is all about a husband and wife who just do not get along, and they're trying to fake it until they make it. And, yep. um, and uh, a spoiler alert, finally at the end, he pushes her off a cliff. Hey! And, uh, but she lives. She lives and she basically tells him to go to hell and she gets in the car and she's lighting a cigarette and her hands are shaking and she's driving down the road, just kind of a little upset. And then all of a sudden it's a smile comes across her face, but it's a smile of relief because finally she's died. And, you know, this is this is finally she's a free person. And, uh, you know, I'm no I'm not here endorsing the concept of divorce or anything or pushing your spouse off a cliff. Um, But I am saying I am saying that, you know, uh, to believe what God has said about you, to believe that death is behind you is what Paul is saying here when he's talking about faith. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and uh, and that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I love here, too. So, again, thinking about where we're preaching this, it's December 30th. It's the mm-hmm. end of the year. It's the beginning of the new year. It's You've got that post-Christmas hangover in every way you can interpret that word. Uh, and um, people are hoping to make a fresh start. You know, New Year's is the secular Easter. It's like we're reborn or something. And this is, I think, a great passage if you're going to highlight whether you're going to kind of live under a law-based existence or a grace-based existence because mm-hmm. it talks there's two you can either be imprisoned and guard, guarded under the law and there's all kinds of ways you can talk about what that feels like people know what it feels like to be imprisoned to be trapped to be paralyzed mm-hmm. to be under a constant cloud of judgment and criticism versus to be under grace mm-hmm. and and Paul makes it so clear God has we're no longer subject to a disciplinarian we're in a new realm it's because of faith and it's now we are adopted as children and so we can say, Abba, Father, and we're not a slave, we're a child. So this, all these, um, the, this, the way Paul always puts up these dichotomies, these, you know, it's not a both and, it's an either or. And so mm-hmm. to tell your people in this new year, um, after Christmas, uh, whatever you'd like to be at the end of 2019, um, whether you do well or not, you're not under the law, you are God's child, um, and uh, you couldn't be more loved and accepted by God today before you, you know, because right now everybody's binging before they go on their New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. And the, the secret is they're just as much loved right now. They're just as much a child of God as they will be on January 1st when they have completed their first day of the paleo diet. And of course, they're going to yeah. fail on January 2nd, but mm-hmm. they're not, they're not going to be any more righteous on January 1 than they are on December 30th. They're just as loved today. Yeah, and actually in that broken state is uh, where you clearly do call out uh, Abba, Father. 
you know, and this is the thing with faith and, uh, you know, and uh, believing that we've got to put on our own garments is that um, we actually think that we're going to meet the king in our own garments. And to meet the king in our own garments is very scary. But uh, when you are wearing what you perceive to be rags, those are actually the royal vestments and uh, the enabling word for you to call out Abba Father, you know, because it is not yeah. you who has been born under, by, come by a woman born under the law, but Jesus Christ, and he's the one who's redeemed you under the law. And uh, that's a very yeah. powerful word, especially as we move forward into New Year. And I feel like if, if Galatians is where we're at now, um, our gospel reading really in John, John chapter one, which is the traditional reading for the first Sunday after Christmas, articulates how that was all possible. And uh, you have John uh, taking us all the way back uh, to the beginning and beyond the beginning. Uh, you have references to Genesis here, but in the beginning was the word. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, there's, there's. J- John is making huge claims now for the divinity of Christ. And if you, if you ever wanted a passage to talk about the fact that Jesus is God, Jesus is not the JV member of the Trinity. Um, <laughs> Jesus is not the senior vice president. Jesus is God. Uh, it, it's, it's in this passage. And by the way, uh, I got on a, a little bit of a rant at my congregation, not at them, but I want, I was angry at what I had read, and I wanted to share with them. And, um at the announcements time last Sunday, because a new survey has come out that shows that 75% of people who identify as evangelical Christians strongly agree with the statement, Jesus Christ is the first and greatest being created by God. Ugh. Which is a heresy called Arianism, folks. <laughs> but 75% of people, and evangelical Christians who ostensibly hold, have a high view of the authority of scripture and, uh, and, and you know, believe in the right things, um, believe that Jesus was created after God, that he was a created being, which the church has rejected from the beginning. Jesus, I mean, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the logos, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and, wait for it, the word was God. So this means Jesus is God, not a part of God, not God-ish, God. And, And nothing exists that he didn't create, it says. Uh, and then, of course, as we get down uh, later in the passage to that amazing um, kind of blow your hair back uh, uh, where it says, and then the word became flesh in verse 14. Mm. I mean, that's where uh, um, it just, it, it's mind blowing. And so, I mean, but, but again, I think the challenge for the preacher, it's not enough for people just to have their doctrine, right? Okay, I affirm that Jesus is God. But why does it matter? Because he has come, I mean, there's so much here. He comes as as, uh, as light uh, in as him was light life, the world. and the yeah, life in and... life, yeah, and 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 of course, grace and truth. Uh, mm. And if you want to talk about, um, you know, the two ways of living in the world that is clear from Galatians, you know, under the law versus now living a life of of faith under the Son of God and His grace, you get that dichotomy here in John two. Jesus comes full of grace and truth. Mm. Um, you know, the law was given through Moses, but Jesus is something different, grace and truth. And I think to just go back to that, you know, I mean, uh, it's a it's a real tragedy as um, kind of evangelicals have really unhinged themselves from theology and how they just kind of float in a, 
I mean, the truth is, is that evangelicals are very, there's not much difference between them and, and many of our brothers and sisters in the main line who've already unhinged themselves from the truth of God's word. But, uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, what happens is when you unhinge yourself from the truth, you get into this realm of speculation over and above revelation. Well, I just basically feel like, you know, God is a, a wonderful, wonderful being and wonderful thing that, you know, brings me presence. Or, you know, I just basically feel, I've had a hard time with this or that, so I refer to God as it. And uh, what the Bible is trying to do is, is um, what, the, what God is doing through his word here is introducing himself to you. And it says clearly here the key line, and this is something on Revelation, no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. And the truth is, is that people will wonder, does God really love me at this time of year? You know, they've just had a rough time. How do I know that like, I'm forgiven for what, like, the things I said around the Christmas dinner table. How do I know that, you know, um, that that my that that things will, that my kids, you know, are not going to hate me forever? Maybe they will, but how do I know that that, like, in the end, is uh, going to be made right? And uh, you don't speculate. You look to uh, the one who has revealed God in all of his love and all of his mercy upon the cross. And that is the baby who was in the manger who became the man on the cross, and that's Jesus. And uh, and that's yeah. a real key thing and a real word of comfort. You don't have to speculate anymore about God. He's right there. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I think, again, at this time of year, December 30th, the temptation to run back to the law— is at one of its highest points of the year because of the whole New Year thing. Um, we all want to make resolutions, and this year it'll be different. This time yeah. I'll be better. And so everybody's going to be tempted by the law, and the whole world, I mean, gym memberships are going to be selling like hotcakes. Mm. Uh, hotcakes will not be selling like hotcakes because they're <laughs> all refined carbohydrates. And uh, and everybody's going to be running Only for a law. week. Only yeah, for a week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so you want to prepare people for the crash. If it, And maybe you even want to prepare them to not double down on their own willpower and law. And so I think uh, what this is saying is that Jesus has come to set us free from the law. He was born under the law. Um, but he's come to give us grace and truth. Moses tried the law, uh, John tells us, and um, and apparently that that wasn't the, where we're supposed to end, uh, because someone else came. Jesus Christ came, and he came full of grace and truth. And I mean, I think you you have a chance here to save people from thinking that God is the law. So here's a little illustration you can use as preachers of people, you know, because people this this is a gift of grace that God wants to give us, but people don't realize it. They never open the gift. They just run straight back to the law. So I just read this. Uh, you know what Quora is, Jake? It's like Google's place you can ask questions yeah. and a bunch of them are really right. stupid. And uh, anyways, uh, but somebody asked recently, like, what's the most amazing gift you've been given? And this woman wrote that when she was um, early in her marriage, she had a, she had a huge fight with her mom. Um, uh, so that's kind of the background story. But you fast forward 20 years in the future, she's cleaning out her house because uh, she's moving and her husband has died. And so she's going through this stuff and she finds a big cardboard box in the back of the closet that's got a, it's dated from 1992 or something. And uh, she can tell that it was a package from her mother and she realizes that her husband must have intercepted it and put it back in the closet mm. and kind of hid it away. And so she she doesn't have the heart to open it 
because um, the last conversation she had with her mother, it had been after Christmas, and her mother had said some horrible things. Uh, and she, um, she basically, she after that, the daughter cut off all conversation with her mother, just hadn't talked to her again. And then, of course, she she died, and um, so the mother couldn't bring herself to open the box. So she, or the daughter yeah. couldn't. So she puts it back. They they end up moving again. Five years later, she's going through stuff again. Finds the box. Finally opens the box, and inside is a beautiful hand-knitted Afghan blanket, this ivory-colored, beautiful, detailed blanket with this note of apology from the mother Mm. saying, I'm so sorry that I said the things that I did, and I hope you'll take this as a token of my um, remorse, and I hope we can patch things up. Mm. And this woman just wept because for 25 years... This gift of an apology had been right there in front of her, and she couldn't bring herself to to open it and receive it. And she died unreconciled. Her mother died unreconciled to this daughter. So now the daughter keeps the blanket in her room as a reminder of her mom's love or whatever. So it's heartbreaking. It's kind of beautiful, but also tragic. But I think so many people see God as this being that's got it out for them, that doesn't like them, and they've never opened the apology box uh, which and Robert Capon has this beautiful idea, like the gift of salvation in Jesus is hidden in every house yeah. around the world. It's like a little box of chocolates. You just got to find mm-hmm. it and open it. And I think there's sort of that here, like this gift is here. Don't run back to the law. The gift of God's grace and forgiveness and all that is here for you. Mm. What a beautiful place to close this, uh, this, this episode out. Once again, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we are grateful for you. And uh, If you are moved by this message or uh, uh, love this podcast at all, please hit subscribe and uh, stay tuned for next week as we leave the season of Christmas and move into the season of Epiphany. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.